Good. Well, we are blessed this evening to have so many folks visiting. On top of the gentleman that came in with Brother Ralph a few minutes ago, we have several other visitors that are here tonight. Welcome, ladies. Good to have you here. We want to do this. We want to encourage everyone that can. I know some of you can't, but all of you that can, to scoot forward in the auditorium and uh, move forward to, say, the front two-thirds. That would really help us uh, to be able to feel like we're more of a congregation and we're not just scattered abroad, right? So um, let's do this. Let's all stand for the reading of God's Word. I'm going to have you turn to Isaiah chapter 34, or rather 33, Isaiah chapter 33, and uh, we're going to... We're going to begin there. If you're able to scoot forward, please do help us with that. That would be a big help. Isaiah 33. Look at verses 1 through 5. Isaiah 33. And uh, we're going to begin there. And uh, we're, we're going to jump into our Bible study. The Bible says there, Woe to thee that spoilest. And thou wast not spoiled, and dealest treacherously, and they dealt not treacherously with thee. When thou shalt cease to spoil, thou shalt be spoiled, and when thou shalt make an end to deal treacherously, they shall deal treacherously with thee. O Lord, be gracious unto us, we have waited for thee. Be thou their uh, arm every morning, our salvation also in the time of trouble, at the noise of tumult, the people fled. At the lifting up of thyselves, the nations were gathered. And your spoils shall be gathered like the gathering of the caterpillar, as the running to and fro of locusts shall run upon them. The Lord is exalted, for he dwelteth on high. He hath filled Zion with judgment and righteousness. The title of the Bible study is, When God's People pray. Let's pray tonight. Lord, thank you for all we've already seen and experienced. The heartfelt prayers that were sent up to heaven as though it was a sweet-smelling savor a while ago. The update from the Lehmans in Thailand and, uh, Lord, how you're using them in such an exciting way. We pray tonight for the Bible study. Use it in our hearts. May we better understand the Word of God. May we understand the truths that you'd have for us. Lord, you lead and guide. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, if you're visiting tonight, you are wondering how long I'm going to keep you here. Our service lets out right at 8.15 at 7.41, and so not too much longer, all right? Hang tough. We're letting out. We're uh, hopping into our Bible study quite a bit later than normal, and I'm going to call an audible and do something a little bit different. Instead of sticking to the outline there, we're going to look at something a little bit different. We have so many guests with us tonight, and I, I want to make sure everyone in attendance. Everyone in attendance understands the full gospel message, how it is that uh, it how it is that we get to heaven when we die. You know, if I were to come to you in the street and I were to say to you I'm lost, all right? Some of you can tell by listening to me for a moment, I'm not originally from Connecticut. How many of you, that just comes as a shock that I'm not originally from Connecticut. I was not born in Connecticut. And let's just say I had moved here last week and and uh, you were born and raised here, and I came to you and said, man, I'm lost, I don't have, uh, I, I need directions, I need you to tell me where to go, uh, I, I'm, I'm lost. And 
And you say, okay, well, I know the area well. Uh, where are you trying to get to? And I look at you and I say, how do I get to heaven from Stratford, Connecticut? How do I get to heaven? You think, wow, well, uh, even if you had a GPS, I don't think it's going to tell you that, right? I don't think it's going to tell you how to get to heaven. Look with me at Isaiah 33. And look with me there at verse number 2. It says, O Lord, be gracious unto us. We have waited for thee. Be thou their arm every morning. Look here. Our salvation, O Lord, our salvation also in the time of trouble. Look at verse 5. The Lord is exalted, for he dwelleth on high. He hath filled Jerusalem, or Zion, with judgment and righteousness. There's a few words I want us to focus in on this evening. And so uh, you can take those outlines and set them to the side. We're going to look at those another time. But out of Isaiah 33, let's look at a few words here. First, notice that uh, they are being people who are spoiled. There are people who are being dealt treacherously. I look at our world today and I see that Satan has spoiled our world. I see that sin is everywhere. You know, uh, if I were to take you uh, to um, a farm and on that farm there are a bunch of kook weirdos and they were all out rolling around in the mud and then they said to you, come on and join us rolling around in the mud. You look at him and say, I ain't rolling around in no mud with you. Or you'd say it like you're from Connecticut, right? I'm not going to roll around in the mud with you. Um, and they'd say, well, you're weird because you don't want to get in the mud. And you'd say, well, then I'll be weird and I'll be clean. We live in a world that celebrates sin. They celebrate rolling around in the mud of sin. Good is called evil. Evil is called good. How many of you are old enough to remember when marriage was not a complicated union? Right? How many of you are old enough to remember um, when stealing was a sin and lying was a sin and uh, uh, talking back to your mom was a sin and being disrespectful uh, was a sin and there were reasons why you'd get locked up in prison if you did wrong and, and, and no one questioned those things. Well, now we live in a day and time where good is called evil and evil is called good. And you know what? Satan has come along and he has spoiled us. He has spoiled us. A long time ago, we were told, we were told, hey, listen, you don't have to do right because the Bible says to do right. You do right because it's right to do right. And watch this now. When you take right and wrong away from the Bible and you put right and wrong based on right's sake, all of a sudden now you've shifted it off the Bible, and now it can totally be redefined. And that's what's happened. Satan has redefined morality on us. We no longer know what right and wrong is. And I look at a world, and I see Satan as a lion. He's going around, and he's devouring humanity. He is spoiling humanity. He is dealing treacherously. With humanity. Now, in our text here in Isaiah 33, the parallel passage that fits with Isaiah 33 is found in 2 Kings chapters 19 and 20, 18, 19, and 20. And here is the scenario, okay? The Jews, 
They are in Jerusalem, and they're inside their wall. Back then they had a wall they would use as a defense. And there's another country called Assyria. And Assyria had an army of 185,000 soldiers. That's a big army. And they had come around, and they had surrounded the city, and uh, they were threatening to come in and pummel and destroy and kill. And those poor Jews inside that wall, they are quaking with fear. They're trembling with fear. In Isaiah, God's prophet, he's sitting outside of that, uh, or rather, he's sitting inside with him, and he's saying this, he's saying, that army out there, they do the spoiling well, one day God's going to spoil them. They act treacherously. They, they bring fear down. One day God's going to bring fear on them. I can see those poor Jews, those poor Israelites that are trembling. I look at a world today. I'm just going to shoot straight with you all tonight. I look at a world today and I see a world that inwardly is quaking and trembling and afraid. They're afraid. And they don't show it on the outside, but inwardly they're afraid. Uh, There are more emotional disorders present in the world today than I've ever seen. I've ever seen. Our teenagers are depressed, and uh, teen suicide rates are up, and uh, really suicide rates are up all across the board, and um, uh, people are on antidepressants at a record level, and uh, people are broken. And listen, I see people, they take these um, headphones and they put them in, and they're constantly listening to something, and the reality is if you were to take the headphones away, you were to take the music and entertainment away, and you were to take the average person and sit them down and let them live with just their thoughts, immediately they would begin to be miserable. Because inwardly, they don't know how to deal with the mess that their heart and life is. Satan has spoiled them, and we have enemy that surrounded us and caused great fear in us. And uh, look look here, Uh, look at verse number 2. What happened to the people that were there in the walls? Well, they started to pray. Look at verse 2. It says, Oh Lord, you see they're they're, they're being spoiled. Their uh, treacherous actions are being acted against them. Verse 2, Oh Lord, be gracious unto us. We have waited for Thee. Be Thou their arm every morning. Look here, our salvation also in time of trouble. I see so many people that are lifted up in pride. They're lifted up in pride. They think, you know what, I'm going to defeat that army out there all by myself. I don't need help. Can I just tell you something? You are no match against Satan and the forces of evil. None. And you on your own versus Satan and sin, you will lose every time. Someone said, well, I'm not a slave to sin. Okay, if you're not, then stop sinning. Go ahead. Go ahead. Someone says, oh, I, I don't, these cigarettes don't have control of me. Okay, then put them down and never pick them up again. Let's see you try it. Now, some people do it, but it's hard, isn't it? Some people say, oh, well, I can quit cussing and stop cussing. Go ahead. All day tomorrow, not one word. Oh, I, I, I can stop taking God's name of any time I want. All right, let's hear it. No more OMGs in Spanish, no more uh, DM, right? Uh, we got to be careful how we use the Lord's name. People are addicted to sin, and sin has them enslaved. And you know what sin does to us? It destroys. The Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 6, verse 23, listen up, it says, the wages of sin is death. Death. Now, Let's break that verse down a little bit here. The word wages means payment, right? Um, How many of you are old enough to remember when minimum wage was under $7 an hour? All right, you remember that? What was it? uh, Let's see here. Mike, 
Mike, he's our uh, 65 cents an hour, right? 231 an hour, okay. Dollar 25. Now what is it? It's 14, 13, 14 an hour? Something like that? Boy, it's gone up. Mike remembers when Noah walked off the ark. So, in all fairness to Mike over there. Love you, Mike. Um, 65 cents. That was back when you could feed the whole family at McDonald's for what? $2? $3? 50 cents. Feed the whole family at McDonald's for 50 cents. Hamburger, milkshake, and fries. All right. Listen. Minimum wage, all right? I remember when I entered the workforce, it was somewhere around six twenty-five, six fifty an hour. It's amazing it spiked that high that fast. But listen, the word idea of a wage is I give my labor, and in exchange, I get a paycheck. There's a trade going on here. I got hired to work on a fruit farm. I'm not fruity, amen? But I got hired to work on a fruit farm when I was a teenager. And um, I picked strawberries and picked peaches and, 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 uh, and tomatoes, worked out in the hot Alabama sun. And you know what? I, I filled out a timesheet and I gave my labor in exchange for wages, in exchange for money. And you know what? Every single day, me and you, we're handing over our sins to God. One day, those wages are going to be given back. The wages of your sin. The wages of your sin. I want you to imagine that your paychecks got delayed your entire life, and at the age of 70, you were given a giant paycheck for all of the work you had done at one time. What kind of a check would that look like? That would be pretty awesome, wouldn't it? Now, it wouldn't be awesome up until 70, but when you turn 70, here's a multi-million dollar check for all of your labor at one time. One day, you and I are going to stand before God, and He's going to pull out a check and say... Here is the payment for all of the sins you've committed your entire life. What will that look like? Well, the Bible tells us in Romans 6, it says the wages, the paycheck of sin, that's breaking God's law. We've all done it. The wages, the paycheck of sin is death. Death. Tomorrow I'm going to stand up there and I'm going to have a casket right here. I'm going to do a funeral and... Um, family, heartbroken family, lost a dad unexpectedly. He was healthy and, and uh, went in the bathroom to take a shower and dropped dead. Or rather, uh, had a stroke and, and uh, medically kept alive. And this poor family is suffering right now. The truth is, one day I'm going to die. One day you're going to die. We all die someday. We all are going to have our turn, aren't we? I don't want to think about that. I've got a wife right here. I've got two small children. I love my family. I love my life. I don't want to die. I want to see Jesus, but I'm not looking to take the train to heaven tomorrow, right? But one day, we don't get to pick that date. One day, we're all going to die. I'm not talking about an earthly death. Listen now. The Bible is talking about an eternal death. What are the wages of sin violating God's law? It's death and hell forever. Death and hell forever. You know what? That's the reality of it. That's why we need salvation. What did these people do in verse 2? Isaiah 33, verse 2. The Bible says they prayed. You go back to the passage in 2 Kings 
uh, chapter 19. Uh, Hezekiah, the king, he takes the letter written by the enemy and he lays it out before God and he calls out on God. He says, be gracious to us and help us. We are in trouble. And you know what? So many people walk through life, they're filled with pride and they don't want to humble their heart and call out to God for help. The greatest thing you can do is humble your heart. Look at verse 5. We see the position that God wants in my life and the God, God wants in your life. Isaiah 33, 5. Look there. It says, the Lord is exalted. That's what he wants. He wants to be exalted. It says, for he dwelleth on high. He hath filled Zion. Notice these two words. With judgment and righteousness. Judgment and righteousness. Those words define the Lord. You know what? We live in a world where our justice system is broken. Is it not broken? People do wrong and they get away with it off some technicality. And even if the judges were integritous and really were... We, we had a two-tier justice system in America. I'm just going to tell you, that's how I see it. We had a two-tier justice system in America. If you're rich and you're affluent enough and you know the right people, generally you can get off. And everyone else, well, you know, that's a whole other thing. You know, with God, there is no two-tier justice system. God is just in every way. And God looks at me and you, and He declares all of us sinners. We live, yeah, God bless you, we live in a world that's broken. Justice system's broken, but God, His judgments are perfect, the Bible says. Here's the reality. I can fool you, and you can fool me. I stand up here tonight, I'm wearing a suit. Right? I brush my teeth before church. I brush my hair, the three hairs I have on my head. All right, I do my best to look my best in front of you. But the reality is, I'm 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 a sinner. I do wrong, you know, and so do you. We all come in here and we act like we have it all together. None of us have it all together. We're all a bunch of broken sinners. Can we just be real tonight? We're all just a bunch of broken sinners. We're surrounded by sin and Satan. And if we die at the hands of sin and Satan, we're going to die and go to hell. The Lord wants to be exalted in your life, and He wants you to humble your heart and call on Him. You know what? His judgments are perfect. You can fool me. You can't fool God. Here's the other word it says about Jesus in verse 5. It says that He's righteous. He's righteous. You know what I'm not? I'm not righteous. I want His righteousness laid on my record. Right? Um, imagine if we're in school here and the teacher gives a pop quiz. Alright? And um, you take the quiz and you fail. And the teacher says, alright, we're going to do this one time. Pick one student in the class and you get to trade grades with them. Sound like a good deal? You pick the kid who always makes 100, right? We'll call him Irwin because that sounds like a smart name, right? Irwin. You get to trade with Irwin. You and Irwin get to trade papers. All of a sudden, you get Irwin's 100 and Irwin gets your 20, your 30. You get Irwin's A+, plus, he gets your F. You know what Jesus did for you? He wants to take his righteousness and lay it on your record then he wants to take your sin 
and have it laid on his record. He wants to trade with you. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 with me. Can you do that? Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 and look at the last verse in the chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. Everybody there? Look at verse 21. Actually, let's back up and look at verse 20. It says, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Look at verse 21. How can we be reconciled to God? It says here, For he hath made him, God hath made Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin so that we could be made the righteousness of God in him. God literally says, let's do let's let's trade. Let's trade, okay? You give me your sin and I'll give you my righteousness. Now, can you imagine someone so arrogant and proud to say, "Nah, I'm good." Ah, you know what? I'll keep my sin, Jesus, and you keep your righteousness. And Jesus says, no, 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 you don't understand. If you die in your sin, you will go to hell. Give me your sin, and I will give you my righteousness. And if you die with my righteousness, then you get to go to heaven. And some people are so short-sighted and so proud and so arrogant that they reject God's offer to trade. Now, um, when I was a little boy, I traded baseball cards and basketball cards and football cards. I had a big book with all these cards. And my prized card was a Reggie Miller rookie card. That was my prized basketball card. And it had an autograph on it, but I think it was probably fake. But, you know, when you're eight years old, you don't know if it's fake or real. You you got a Reggie Miller rookie card. I think it was probably worth 50 cents. But to me, it was, you know, it was my $100 card. And I'd bring my book to school and the kids would see that. And I had some kid try to take some no-name player and trade me. And I said, no, 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 no. This is my valued card. God wants to take your no-name garbage card and trade you for his Michael Jordan signed rookie card. He wants to trade you. Now, what am I saying here? God wants to take your sin and give you his righteousness. The reality is this. And here's where I want you to get tonight. Let me back up and tell you the story. The Assyrians had the Israelites surrounded. And they were going to kill them. They were going to capture them. They were going to take them to captivity. You know what made things change? Here it is. Prayer and faith in God. You listening tonight? The people inside that wall, they got down on their knees. And they told God, they said, we are wrong. We are living in sin. You must be our salvation because there's no other way. There's 185,000 soldiers outside that wall. We've got some little rinky-dink army that doesn't stand a chance. We can't do this. And when they humbled their hearts and asked God for salvation, something amazing happened. Those soldiers out there, the Bible tells us in 2 Kings chapter 20 that a death angel went through from heaven, and killed the entire army in one night. 
you imagine that? Waking up the next morning and seeing 185,000 dead bodies laying outside your town. God killed the enemy. Why? Because he offered salvation to people who humbled their heart and prayed. Now watch this. If Satan and sin is surrounding the wall of your heart and you die at the hands of Satan and sin, you'll go to hell. But Jesus is greater than that sin. And if you'll humble your heart tonight and you'll call on Him by faith, He'll slay that sin and He'll take you to heaven when you die. Let's finish with this. If you have your Bible, go over to the book of Acts chapter number 16. Acts chapter 16. By the way, if you're visiting with us tonight, we are so glad you're here. We love uh, when folks visit us at our church, but we love, I'm going to tell you what we love more than people who visit the first time. We love people who visit the second and the third and the fourth time. And then they decide to just come all the time. That's what we really like. When visitors become permanent and we get to know their name and we get to know them and you say, I ain't never been in a church and I'm waiting for the roof to fall in. No, no, the roof's not going to fall in, okay? We're not a museum here where fancy spiritual people hang out. We're a hospital because all of us in here are broken and need Jesus. And we want you to keep on coming. If you say, well, I don't look like I belong here, you belong here. All right? Uh, You say, well, I don't know that uh, I know the lingo, and man, all this has just been overwhelming for me. Keep coming. Keep coming. You'll get it figured out. Uh, We're a church that's diverse from age-wise. We've got older folks. We've got younger folks. We've got uh, wealth diversity. We have folks who are wealthy. We have folks who owe credit cards a lot of money. Amen. Yeah, we have folks who have a pristine record. We have other folks when I mean, they've been in trouble with the law at times. And everyone's welcome here. We have folks here of, of every ethnicity. We have folks from all kinds of countries. This is my wife over here. She's from the country of Peru. So um, we, we are a diverse church in every way. Uh, so I just encourage you, keep on coming. Look at Acts chapter 16. Let me just tell you that what happened here. All right? And we're going to look at a few verses together. But let me give you the back story, and then we'll, we'll bring it to a close. Here's the story. Paul was a preacher for Jesus. He was uh, sent by God onto the, um, into the region or the state of Macedonia. This is the state of Connecticut. Imagine you've got this giant state called Macedonia. Inside of Macedonia was a city called Philippi. And uh, Philippi was a prominent city in that day. And Paul came in and he started telling everyone about Jesus. And lo and behold, this demon-possessed woman started following them around and started just pestering them and saying, Listen to this guy, Paul. He knows what he's talking about. He's a good preacher. And while she was saying the right thing, she was being annoying. I, she's just being, she's talking over them and getting in their way and, and walking in between them while they're trying to talk to people. Finally, Paul, who is an apostle, he turns to this woman and he casts the demon out of her. Well, there's a problem with this because this demon-possessed woman was being used for sorcery and she was being used as a future teller and she was being used to make money. And there were men who were acting like pimps and using her to make money. And when the demons got cast out of her, she could no longer make them any money. And these guys had pull with the magistrates in town. So they go to the magistrates and they say, hey, this Paul guy, he's no good. You need to throw him in prison. And so they took Paul. They didn't have a trial. They took Paul. They beat him and his friend Silas, who was preaching with him, and they threw them in prison. They didn't even do anything wrong. Now they're in prison. They got their backs laid open. They got their arms and their feet in shackles. What did Paul and Silas do? Did they say, oh, poor is us. 
here we are trying to serve God, and uh, we got beat. No, no, no. What did Paul and Silas do? They began to sing and pray. The Bible says at midnight, they began to sing praises to God, and they began to pray. And you know what? Something mighty happened. God saw their singing and their praying, and he sent an earthquake so great it shook the entire prison. And the prison doors came open and the man who is above the dungeon hole at the top, he was woken up in the middle of the night by this earthquake and he looked down and he saw all the men and he thought, man, they're all loose and I'm going to die because of this. And so he draws out his sword to kill himself. But Paul had kept everyone from leaving. He got them all to go back in their cells. Look with me at verse number 25. Acts 16, look at verse number 25. The Bible says, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison was shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loose. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword, and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling. Now this is the prison keeper. The Bible says that he fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out. Look at the question he asked. He said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? That's the question, isn't it? I don't want to go to die and go to hell. I want to be rescued or saved to heaven. What must I do to be saved? Look at verse 31. And they, Paul and Silas said, here's the answer, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to this earth he was God. He came to earth born through the womb of a virgin named Mary. Jesus lived a perfect life. At age 30, he began a ministry where he would go around and he would heal people. He would help people. Jesus had done no wrong. He could do no wrong. He was God wrapped in flesh. He was 100% God and 100% man at the same time. And after three and a half years of helping people and ministering to people and, 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 and doing his best to, to, to reach people, he was arrested, he was beaten, and he was nailed to a cross. And after, while hanging up on that cross, God did something really, really special. And this is where it involves me and you. You see, God looked ahead in time and He saw my life and He saw your life. He saw all of the sins that we would commit from our birth date to our death date. And God collected all of those wrongdoings. And He took them and He laid them on Jesus. And Jesus became my sin on that cross. Every lie I've told, every evil deed I've done, every lustful moment I've had... Jesus became all of that at one time. And you know what all of our sin did collectively to Jesus? It killed Him. How do you kill an all-powerful God? You turn Him into the sin of, the man, of, of all of the world. And in three short hours, Jesus gave up the ghost. You know what He said right before He gave up the ghost? He said three words. He said, it is finished. It, what was finished? He had finished paying for my sin and paying for your sin. Now, the price has been paid. The price has been paid. The question isn't, did Jesus die for your sin? The question is, are you going to believe that Jesus died for your sin? 
That's why when these, these, this prison guard came running into Paul and Silas and said, what do I need to do to be saved? Uh, Paul and Silas said, well, the price for your sin was already paid on the cross. The question isn't, was it paid? The question is, will you believe? And the same question is for you tonight. Will you believe in Jesus to be your Savior? You see, sin and Satan have you surrounded just like it did me. But when I was a little boy, I bowed my head and I prayed a very simple prayer. I said, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I deserve to go to hell when I die. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe in you and you alone. Save me. Take me to heaven. Make me your own. And you know what that day Jesus did for me? Is He washed away my sins. He laid His righteousness on my record in heaven. He threw away, well, threw away the sin crimes I had committed. And when I get to heaven one day, I'm going to walk right in. Not because I'm a good person. Because I'm not. Not compared to God, I'm not. I'm going to walk into heaven because I've been forgiven. Because I've been saved. Because I've believed. Have you done that? Have you believed in Jesus alone? If not, I want to help you to do that right now. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed. Every head bowed. Every eye closed this evening. If you're here tonight and you've never put your faith in Jesus alone, why don't you just go ahead and do what this jailkeeper did, this prison guard did? Why don't you just tell Jesus you believe in Him and ask Him to take you to heaven when you die? Why don't you do like the Jews did inside the walls there when they were surrounded by the Assyrian army and humble your heart and ask God for salvation? It's really that simple. You know, a lot of people think you've got to be a good person to go to heaven. The Bible couldn't be any more clear. There is none good. There is none righteous. A lot of people think they've got to be religious to go to heaven. There was a thief that died next to Jesus on the cross. I don't think he had ever been to church a day in his life. He had nothing good to offer, but he believed in Jesus and he was saved. Today, the same invitation is extended to you, and that's to believe. If you've never really put your faith in Jesus alone to save you, let me encourage you to do it right where you're sitting right now. Right where you're sitting right now. If you've never ever asked Jesus to take away your sins and give you the gift of eternal life and you're ready to believe in Jesus, right where you're sitting with your head bowed and eyes closed, under your breath, under your breath, just pray this simple prayer. Pray it after me. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that my sin is wrong. I understand that I deserve to go to hell when I die. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. My faith is in you and what you did on the cross and your resurrection from the dead. Save my soul. In Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, keep your heads bowed and eyes closed for a moment longer, please, for me. If you prayed that prayer for the first time and you meant it, you genuinely meant that with all of your heart, I want to rejoice with you. If you prayed that prayer for the first time and meant that, would you just hold up your hand right where you are? I want to rejoice with you. I see, I see a couple hands. Is there anyone else? I see some more hands. Anybody else? I pray that prayer for the first time. I put my faith in Jesus alone. I see another hand. Is there anybody else? Yet another. 
I rejoice with you. Listen, salvation is a free gift. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. You can't disqualify yourself from it. It does not matter what evil you've done in your life. Salvation is free. It's a gift that's free. It's offered to everyone. There is no sin God can't forgive. He wants to save you tonight. If you've not yet done that, let me encourage you to do it. Is there anyone here that would say, Pastor Lejeune, I did not pray that prayer, but I know I need to. I just don't know that I'm ready yet. Would you pray for me that when the time's right, I'll be able to do that? Is there anyone say, I didn't pray that prayer, but I, I know I need to when the time's right. Please pray for me. Is there one? One like that? Lord, I pray tonight that you'd help us, encourage us, show us truth. Help us to walk in that truth. Thank you that you are truth. Thank you for those that put their faith and trust in you tonight to be their Savior. Lord, help them to take new steps in their new relationship with you by picking up a Bible and reading it. And uh, Lord, bending a knee and praying and coming to church and learning the Bible and developing that relationship. Learning both to listen to your voice and speak to you through prayer and, uh, Lord, growing. May our church offer them the platform to be able to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can look this way. For those of you that raised your hand a minute ago, I rejoice in what you just did. You, you have no idea, uh, uh, really, the value of that. And uh, your eternal destination changed from hell to heaven. You went from suffering in hell to splendor in the presence of God. In that one decision. Um, I'm uh, 38 years old. I've been married for almost 15 years. Uh, I've got two kids. The best day of my life was not the day I got married or the day I had my two children. The best day of my life was the day I asked Jesus to take my sin away. Because that changed my eternal destination. All of those come right in behind it. But the day Jesus saved me was the greatest day. If you did that today, I want to personally rejoice with you. And in a moment when we close the service, I'm going to be standing right there in the back. Would you just come up and shake my hand and tell me that you did that, that you asked Jesus to save you? I want to rejoice with you. If you raise your hand a moment ago, I hope you'll do that. Let's stand together. We're going to be dismissed in a word of prayer. I'm glad you chose to come out to White Oak Baptist Church tonight. And uh, if you got a gift from us, We hope you enjoy that gift. Make sure you turn in those connection cards before you go. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed this evening. Lord, thank you for the Bible. Thank you for its truths. Thank you for teaching us tonight. Thank you for the Word of God and those that put their faith in you. May they grow thereby. May they grow because of their faith. May they grow in this new relationship with you. May this be a new beginning. May they experience that new beginning even as they walk out tonight. Thank you for the burden Sin burdens, the sin loads that were lifted off his shoulders. Lord, give them peace tonight as they go to sleep. Help all of us, Lord, as we head into our day tomorrow to serve you with our whole heart. In Jesus' name.